Is there anything better than dressing your children matchy-matchy? Oh, I love it. Yes. I love it. The moment we had Lottie, like, because we didn't know she was going to be a girl, the moment we had her, I literally bought things while I was in the hospital online. Oh. (laughs) I was like, yes. I love it now. But I do remember it being the pits when I was a kid because my yeah, mom would dress oh, the three of us and that's a six oh. year age gap and gender differences. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mums Group, a podcast for new mums navigating the joyful complexities of motherhood. My name's Ali Barnes and right now I'm on maternity leave, so I thought I'd punch out a few more pod episodes that are all about the toddler years and more from a Christian worldview. I have two sons, Banjo, who is two and a half, and Zach, who is five months old. And I feel so blessed that we were able to have another kiddo. I know it's not the reality for everyone. It's been more joyful than I expected, particularly seeing Banjo become a big brother. Honestly, no one makes Zach laugh as much as Banjo does when he's all up in his grill, but I'm very aware that things will soon be a lot trickier. I'll be a referee for their fights, a judge for their crimes against each other, and a prayer warrior for God's help in nurturing a strong bond between the two. Both my husband and I come from families where we have very close relationships with our siblings, and on reflection, I think it requires very intentional parenting and modeling to help foster close sibling relationships. So. Today, I've asked two friends of the pod, Kirsty and Tani, who've each got two kids to share their experiences, their tips and the challenges that we may encounter. I'm sure you'll find it helpful. Hi, I'm Tani. I'm married to Jonathan or Jono, and we have two children, Lucia, who is six, and Otis, who is three. And at the moment, they are both bug crazy and just on the hunt and putting creatures of all sorts into bug catchers. Oh! Have they found anything that you would prefer them not to have found? Well, to the they don't put spiders in the bug catcher. It's mostly cicadas and um, like Christmas beetles. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Hi, I'm Kirsty. I'm married to Mark and I have Rosie who's almost four and Charlotte who's 18 months. And I think one of their favorite things to do on any given day is to run into our bedroom and just like frolic on our bed, somersault, <laughs> rumble, just fall down, giggling. It's more fun when it's after 6 a.m. though, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so tell me about the age gap between your kids. Tanya, let's start with you. And how do you think it impacts their relationship? Yeah, so Lucia was just three when Otis was born, like three and three weeks. Um, and we had always planned for about a three year age gap. Um, so it was perfectly timed from that point of view. And, uh, and I think she was really ready to be a sibling. She had undivided time for about three years. So when a baby brother came along, she was excited. She was really ecstatic. Mm. Uh, we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. So we were just preparing for a baby brother or sister. And her initial feeling was disappointment that it wasn't oh. a sister. <laughs> But it lasted all of about five minutes when she got a cuddle and realized that babies are delicious, whether they're boys or girls. And how has it affected their relationship? They've got a great friendship, um, but she's like a little nurturer to him. So she's like a little 
um, little mama in many ways. She likes to look after him. She likes to teach him. She likes to know what's best and give him instructions oh, and guide him. You got a third parent in the house <laughs> in some ways, and he it obliges that a bit. You know, he's like you know happy to go along with it. Yeah, but for he, now, for now, he's just turned three, and there you can hear him starting to be a bit like doesn't always want to be told how and when and why and sure. um, but overall they've got a really great friendship and yeah and Rosie was two two and two months when Charlotte was born but I think in hindsight she was just so tiny like I, I actually still get pains of mum guilt about it now because Charlotte's you know, 18 months and when Rosie was her age I was already kind of pregnant and planning for the baby to arrive so and I think of Charlotte as being so tiny now such a tiny bean so it was good in the sense that Rosie just knew no different she hadn't really tasted that independent time with just mummy and daddy like mm. she can't remember much of her second year she can't remember things that I um, remind her about and she can't remember a time without Lottie being around so in that sense, it was great because it was just like, oh, now we've got a baby. And she loved having a baby in the house and was a tiny nurturer from day dot as well. But also a challenge because Lottie got moving really quickly. So before Rosie knew it, she had this tiny babe, like commando crawling towards her toys and wanting to touch them. And, you know, this last yeah year and a bit basically she's had competition for play and competition yeah. for our undivided attention mm. or divided attention i guess yes i feel like that's in my imminent future yeah right now banjo's <laughs> happy with zach's presence because yeah. he doesn't do a whole lot but uh tani i know you're going to want to put on your humble hat but <laughs> i see lucia and otis playing at church and they have such a special friendship how much of that is you and Jono's doing and how much is that just their personalities and them just clicking from day dot? It's a good question and who knows, to be honest, mm. because we just do what we do. Um, but we are intentional about our family relationships. I remember when I was pregnant with Otis, someone had said to me, uh, you have a three-year-old. What do three-year-olds want to know? They want to know that they are delightful mm. and that everyone adores them because they are adorable. And so she said, the way you can help with sibling rivalry, jealousy, is to highlight to the three-year-old how much the baby loves her. Yes. And, uh, and it didn't take much. It just took me hearing that that was true to be able to see that it was true. The first days of Lucia cuddling Otis, his eyes got wider when she talked to him. He was wriggling and opening his mouth and I was just able to say, He's talking back to you. Look at him watching his big sister. He loves you. And so she just gobbled that up and was like, he's great. We'll keep this little guy because she just was so affirmed by how much he was interested in yes. her. And uh, I've got some videos of her just sort of dancing around him, his little day bed, you know, Moses basket on the floor in the lounge room. And I can see the starts of smiles. He would have been days old. Yeah. You know, and she's just dancing and singing and looking over him and... Um, and look, is that part of why they've got a good bond and she doesn't, you know, maybe, but that's not to say she doesn't feel jealous of him, but we just name it for what it is. Like mm. it's hard to share mum and dad sometimes. Um, and they're both able to say, 
Yes, it's true. Well, I feel jealous that you've cuddled him and we're able to have a conversation about it. So I just try and make myself available to both of them so that they don't feel like they're in competition with each other mm -hmm. and that I love, I don't have a favorite, you know? Lucia is of an age where she's like, you have, a, you love him more than me. Oh, and, mm. um, and we're just able to talk about that. And sometimes we do it jokingly. Like, that you yes, do have a favorite. he is absolutely <laughs> favorite, You know, to just sort of lighten the moment, be a bit more mm. playful to highlight how crazy it is because she was like the apple of our eye when she was born, yeah. like adored by us and continues to be. So for her to be able to recognize that we can love her, we can love him, mm. that is different. And that it's normal to feel pangs of jealousy, but it's also silly. Mm. Yes. So it's silly to feel that you know also so uh, apart from making a joke of it what do you actually say when they say when she asks about you know who's your favorite because it didn't go well for joseph and his brothers when <laughs> there was a favorite child so. i just say that they are both my favorite he's my favorite and she's my favorite so not that i don't have a favorite i absolutely do and it's and it's them yeah um and we remind her especially because otis doesn't ask this we remind her that we pray for her that she's an answer to prayer for us mm -hmm. and that she is was created by god for our family and that she's a blessing to us and that we love her so it's just as simple as just affirming that we love her mm. greatly and that um that god loves her even more than that actually mm. is how we kind of frame it so she gets a sense of herself as being loved mm. external to her experience of how we might treat her in certain moments or, um, yeah. I, I've done the same with Banjo, just, I think instinctively, mm. you know, it really helps when you say things like, oh, look how much Zach loves that you're doing yeah. this, or Zach, are you watching Banjo skate right now? Like, look how good he's doing, like, so that he just feels, you know, admired. But I've also seen it really interestingly, Banjo has taken on the big brother, the responsibility and thrives when we give him that responsibility. So the other day I was at the park and I genuinely had way too much to carry and I just wouldn't have been able to carry Zach as well. And so I said, Banjo, I need you to sit here with Zach. And he's just started sitting up, but he still wobbles and falls a bit. So I'm like, yeah, I need you to hold him so he doesn't fall over. You make sure no one hurts him. He's your responsibility. And like, I, I could see him the whole time, but mm. I did walk, you know, good 20, 30 meters away from them. Mm. And he was just sitting there holding him tight, patting his head. And, you know, my heart was just, yeah, all right, might be time for more kids. Already. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they really thrive on the big brother or big sister mm. role. Are, are there, is there anything, Cassie, you've done to yeah. really foster that sibling relationship? I think um, because Rosie was a bit younger than Lucia when Charlotte arrived, um, storytelling became a really important way of showing her and telling her that she is loved and adored. So we would regularly like get out our phones and show her pictures of when she was a baby at a similar age or mm. Um, she became obsessed with me telling the story about like her birth, like her, you know, her arrival and the rush of the hospital. Um, and is that because they like to feel like they're still sort of the baby in a sense? I don't is know. Is there something if it's in that? The baby, or just like I have a history before my sister arrived. That's right. How I interpreted it okay, as yeah. like um, it kind of went hand in hand with me saying. When you were a baby, I gave you as much milkies as you wanted. 
and that made you feel really happy and then you would go to sleep cuddling mummy or I'd yes. rock you in my arms or you know we'd snooze for hours together in the bed and now that's what I'm doing with your baby sister so that idea of like I'm not doing this just for her I've done this for mm -hmm. you like you've yes. experienced that I think that became really affirming for Rosie it's quite interesting like how much they understand of that like I've mm. already seen with Banjo you know if he wants to run off at the playground and I'm saying we need to go home I'll say honey you know how you just had all those snacks and you got a nice full belly yeah we need to go home now because Zach's getting really hungry and he gets it and yeah. he's okay with it when I explain things out loud yeah. not so compliant when I just expect him to come here now <laughs> totally. yes I think it's almost like starting off with that foundation of equality um similar to you know you're both my favorites that like I give of myself and I'm doing the same things with your sister that I did for you. Mm. You're not missing out because you're not a baby right now, but I did those things when you're a baby. Mm. And then also, you know, recognizing what their needs are at this age. And yeah, my sister-in-law has always kind of encouraged the idea of filling the bucket by just having undivided attention for five, 10 minutes. Like making sure you do that once a day and just kind of recognizing that your toddler might, um, especially when there's a new child in the family, might just need that one-on-time -on with mum. Yeah. Yeah. I really see Banjo thrive once he's had his cup filled. Yeah. When it's sort of all about Zach, first mm. thing in the morning, he's not super enthused mm. for the day. <laughs> it shows the fine balance of being like a toddler or a preschooler that they both want to be seen as the big kid that's yes. able to do so much, that's able to help, that has the responsibility, and they love to fulfill that role. But I think that probably gets a bit heavy if it's all the time, and mm. then they just want to be the little one. They want to yeah. be cared for, they want to be nurtured, they want to be looked after. So one-on-one -on -one time is a great way to do that yeah. with like a preschooler. Um, you know, undivided time, you know, put your phone away. It doesn't have to be long. They, five minutes can really fill their cup when you're just it's really like long present. time too for a parent. That's right. <laughs> so just be really present for a short time. And then I know, I remember Lucia also wanting some role play of her being the baby. Yes. She wanted to, for me to wrap her up. Yes. Give her a little cuddle, rock her to sleep. And look, in all honesty, she still has moments of wanting that mm. at six. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just go with it, you know, yeah. that, and we just play and pretend that she's the baby. And then that just fills her cup enough. And then she just is happy to be the big sister again because she knows that comes with lots of perks yeah. too. Yeah. I really enjoy one-on-one -on -one time now with Banjo. Yeah. Like, I get the precious days when Banjo's at daycare with Zach, and I really appreciate that time for just us where we can do things uninterrupted. But uh, when I can just leave Zach with Sean and go to the skate park just with Banjo, I'm not trying to have Zach in a carrier and I'm trying to get him to sleep rocking. I can just be fully involved with what Banjo's doing. It's a real treat because it's not the normal day-to-day. -day. Do you guys yeah. still try and, you know, actively do that or have mummy-daughter dates or... What, what's it look like in your household? We need to figure out a system of doing that now. I think we've just kind of passed over this cusp of the transition to needing to do that with Rosie. And when I had Charlotte, I was on mat leave, but Rosie wasn't in daycare. So I just had the two of them full time for, you know, 14 months. And she really didn't get alone time with me anymore mm. except for little snippets every now and then so the weekends are an obvious one where we can go and do like a puzzle in her room together now and close the door but 
when it's just me, Charlotte doesn't sleep heaps. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. There's not that much time just Rosie and I. And also, Charlotte will often sleep in the car when we're coming home from gymnastics or swimming or something. So um, Rosie's needs or her activities are already prioritized on top of Charlotte's sleep a lot of the time. Right. That's kind of the trade-off. She doesn't get that one-on-one time with me at home while her toddler sister is napping, but she'll get that activity. So I think what we need to do in our family now is just pick like a regular time that works for us where daddy can take Lottie and I can take Rosie and then vice versa. Because the days where, now they're both at daycare, the days where one of them is sick and the other one goes to daycare, it's so amazing just to spend time with them and to follow their lead. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've noticed with two kids now is I don't have that ability to honour that child-led play in the way that they both desire Mm. because as part of being our family, we need to compromise and your sibling is here. I can't make her go away (laughs) when you want me to. And she has needs as well. So yeah, we have to figure out ways of mostly being together and then when daddy's home, having that one-on-one time i'm hoping that as they get older that will be easier to do because i feel like i'm still very much in the trenches with a toddler who like needs me to regulate her emotions or get her to sleep or that sort of thing whereas maybe when they're older like your kids tani the beauty of school holidays so we've just finished we're just back to school now and we had i think it was about a seven or eight week holiday period for lucia and for, for much of that, uh, I kept sending Otis to his kindy when he yes. goes three days a week. That's he did great. have a, a week or so off, but mostly he kept going. So that meant that for those weeks, Lucia, I was just with Lucia for three days a week. And that meant that she could pick, you know, we'd go to the beach, we'd go for a swim at the pool, we'd go out for a picnic, we would have a home day, we would watch a movie together, we would just play in her room, we, she would just come with me when we were doing things we just go for a coffee and um and you realize how easy and simple one child is when you (laughs) (laughs) took it for granted (laughs) and the eldest one you know like they both um can be easy but taking lucia to the beach (laughs) yeah she just happy and easy and uh, so fun so that's been really good and then Normally, I just work three days a week, so two days of the week I have just one-on-one with Otis, mm-hmm. and he even calls them Mama Days. That's oh, so like, is it Sunday or Mama Day? Oh. <laughs> or Church Day. Church Day or Mama Day or Kindy Day. Um, these are the options. So I'm really grateful that we have one-on-one time. Lucia has a big stint of waiting, so during the school term, it's next to never one-on-one time, except yeah. for maybe the very occasional... Um, you know, if dad takes Otis for a bike ride because he needs to burn some more energy than her or something, mm-hmm. her and I are just at home. But it's more, it's less frequent. So school holidays is kind of like dedicated yeah. one-on-one time to look forward to. I find when Rosie wants one-on-one time, it's usually like, I want to do a puzzle or I want to play a board game or it's something do the like craft that. that they do can't the do when the little exactly. sister's about, like the yeah. necklace-making kit oh, yeah. and that kind of thing. And so it's like it necessitates, actually, I've got to leave Charlotte with someone mm. because we've got no hope of finishing a puzzle. Yeah. She's tearing around <laughs> wanting to take puzzle pieces and rub with them, you know? Totally. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I'm expecting is that Zach won't have as much separation anxiety as we experienced with Banjo um, because he'll always have his big brother at daycare or Sunday school. 
at grandparents' house. Is that wishful thinking or was that your experience with number two? It was our experience at, uh, at kindy, definitely, because Lucia was still there in the preschool room when Otis started. Uh, and he'd been going there since he was brand new for drop-offs and pick-ups. So um, he definitely had less separation anxiety, but he seems a less sensitive kid generally. So he um, is just a bit more robust and less sensitive to separations and things like that. Mm. So it's maybe partly personality and also partly just his experience of things. Um, and that's changed now because she's at school and he's at kindy on his own, so she's not always around. Um, but look, I think I think second kids have the beauty of just having a big mm. sister, big sibling, big brother to um, take the lead off. Otis seemed more confident just anywhere because he just looked at his big sister already doing it and thought, I can yes. do that too. Totally. Mm. Yeah, my 18-month-old thinks she's four, like, <laughs> to her detriment often, but... Um, you know, she'll like literally run and jump into a swimming pool and go under the water and just like sink if I don't get her because she sees Rosie doing it and she thinks she's four. Mm. And so similar at daycare, she'll most of the time happily go off. But we still have days where I've got to, you know, pry her off me, hand it to someone and run away to get to work on time or at Sunday at Kids Church now, like they're in separate buildings, separate locations because yeah. of COVID restrictions and it helps having cousins who are around who are kind of like siblings. But um, I think generally what you said, Tani, she's, Lottie is just more robust because she's always had Rosie around. The thing that I've been thinking about is when Rosie was tiny, she spent a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with my parents. They actually cared for her when I was working two days a week. And so she has this amazing bond with them. She spent heaps of time with them. And the other day I had to take Rosie to an appointment and leave Charlotte with them. And she was totally fine. But I was a bit nervous because I was like, actually, we haven't left her one-on-one -on -one with my parents that much because mm. it's pretty much always with Rosie or I'm there and we're spending time together. There haven't really been many times when I've had to take Rosie to something with yeah. just me. And so I think that's a funny dynamic where maybe like she misses out on having that one-on-one -on -one with other adults in her life right. and she always has another kid around pretty much all the time yeah nice to get that one-on-one -on -one attention yeah so my sister and I are really close but we were one of those sister sister relationships that was even close when we were young so most of my friends, they fought a lot with their sisters and then as adults, they've become best friends. But we were tight growing up. And I asked my sister recently about that. I said, you know, what do you think it was that made us so close all the way through? I mean, yeah, we'd have fights about clothes, little things like that. But generally, we wanted to hang out with each other even when we were in high school. And she said, um, I think a lot of it was sort of intentional parenting and I didn't follow up on what that was but she said I think it was also that we had very different interests um so you were really into netball and basketball I was really into gymnastics even though we sort of did a little bit of what each other did we weren't competitive in those mm. same areas yes. and so there wasn't that rivalry and that makes me think you know I'm raising two boys now will I intentionally try and steer them in different directions I mean there's definitely convenience in you know doing job off at the soccer fields or whatever <laughs> make life easier but yeah to avoid that competitive rivalry is there things like that that you're already thinking about in terms of how to keep a strong bond keep that friendship um, as they get older 
I think we try and use intentional language about not comparing the girls to each other and talking about how they are both you know, wonderful in their unique attributes. And I mean, obviously Lottie's young, so it's not really like on her mind as much, but with Rosie, for example, Lottie is just way more physically coordinated, yeah. like already, you okay. know, she's just a naturally really coordinated kid. Yeah. And I, when I think back to Rosie as a toddler, I can compare them in my mind and I can see ways in which Rosie excelled in other things that like a lot of maybe just average art or, you know, isn't interested in. So we try and not point out those comparisons to them yeah. <laughs> and be conscious of talking about those things in front of other adults because I'll have natural conversations like this, but if Rosie was in the room doing the puzzle, she would maybe bring up what I've spoken about. Um, you know, oh, later yeah. she's just like picking up on it. I and hate to think what Banjo is. We need to start being more conscious of that. <laughs> yeah, I think that process happens earlier than you think. I bet. And maybe they don't have the language to express it, but when they do, it comes out and you're like, oh, yeah, I did say that. So being really conscious of not using that rivalry comparison language from mm. early on, I think, is something that we're trying to do. Um, but also just praise the, like, the action not the value is something i remember being taught so for example um if rosie climbs to the top of a climbing frame um to say to her like wow your body is so strong look how strong your legs are instead of like hey good girl great job mm -hmm. you did it like try and teach them the value of like the process mm -hmm. and affirm what they're their bodies are doing or the effort rather than the achievement yeah, to try and not I mean I know that's not everyone's cup of tea but I feel like I don't want to raise our girls to think that success is the end goal mm -hmm. I want them to succeed I want them to have satisfaction but I don't want them to feel like everything is a competition against other people or especially against each other mm. um, and I want them to grow up confident in their own abilities and able to exert themselves in whatever they naturally are inclined to do like you said you know different sports for you and your sister but not to feel like there's always going to be a comparison in their performance I think similarly like comparison and I heard it and I know it and I even know it to be true now that comparison of your kids is not helpful mm. but it's amazing when I think back of uh, how easily it happens yes. um, and not even saying one's better or the other just even pointing out difference can make children feel the difference is a negative yeah. so that's something that I'm continuing to kind of um, home in my parenting to be uh, because our children are very distinctly different their personalities their temperaments their interests and so it's normal and natural to be like, ah, when the C was that age, she did blah. Yeah. And uh, we're not saying one is better than the other, but when she hears that, or if she were to hear that, or if Otis were to hear that, it does feel like the difference is a negative. Mm. So it's something that I'm just continuing to notice because you actually hear it more in other people. Like when, when my husband does it, or when I hear other family members do it, it pricks my ear but I'm, I know that I also do it I just don't hear myself mm -hmm. saying it so much so that's a really good point and I think the idea of fostering closeness rather than competition is to really just see them as their own people yeah um but not at the expense of the other you know that you really like this you know and you don't have to bring in the sibling to be able to say that you can just say it as a standalone comment you're really good at this 
And uh, I think that's where probably my comparison comes in. It's like, you're really good at this and you're really good at this. And then it becomes like, well, the list suddenly yeah. starts to become, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think to see them as individual people with their own strengths and abilities, that they are distinct, but also to highlight similarities, to highlight yes. sameness and family kind of values or attributes that we see as because um, for kids they want to be their own unique people but they also want to be a part of something mm. bigger more important mm. you know like a bit of family identity and pride in that so um, trying to get a balance of that is a little bit of competition good like <laughs> you know who can be first into the bath or who can get their shoes yes. on first <laughs> I'm now at the point actually in the last few weeks where um, Lottie who's also very spirited will like refuse to put on clothes or refuse to put on a nappy and only want to wear one gumboot or something you know and like I'm literally just like pick your battles we're gonna leave the door you're literally wearing a gumboot and I'll get you dressed like at the car but I can now be like wow Charlotte look Rosie's got her shoes on or you know oh Rosie thank you so much for brushing your teeth that's really wonderful and um, that subtle suggestion will be enough for Lottie to kind of be like teeth, teeth and yes. run and try and do it too because okay. she wants to be big sister or conversely for me to be like Rosie, I'm, I really want to get out the door because we're going to be late for your swimming lesson but your sister just won't put her nappy on can you please try and get a nappy on her like that would be wonderful so <laughs> showing Rosie that like you know, she's really helpful and um you know, I can kind of involve her in our family activities and it's like a group process to get out the door. It's not like your sister's being really frustrated and she's not wearing a nappy and now we're going to be late because of that. You know, not yes. to foster that kind of resentment yeah. because, yeah, a toddler's going to get in the way of us going places and doing things and yeah. building what we want, but um, to kind of make it, this is our process all together. Yeah. But yeah, there's place for competition. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just playful competition, like I was saying. Yes. The oval across the street where we play running races, we will do like the equivalent of like a beat test kind of. Yeah. Um, and Tardy. <laughs> Boot camp. And, and it's, it's mostly driven by Jono, but I join in because it's fun. You know, he's yeah. probably more competitive than me in that yeah. kind of way. In, and he's really good at very structured kind of play and games like that. Yeah. So he will drive, you know, let's go over to the oval and kick a ball and throw a frisbee. So we'll play races like that. And, you know, um, what's the word? Where it's like somewhat the, you know, the slower person gets a bit of a head start. And, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's like an incentive. Yeah, so we do it kind of like that. So it's a fair competition, you know. So it's actually a fair race, you know. Otis only has to do the two laps, whereas the rest of us are doing four. And Lucia yeah. starts, you know, halfway up or whatever. So that's fun. Yeah. And look, kids can be sore losers, right? You so can teach them to lose well, right? That's right. Yeah. So we just sort of try and navigate how do you compete, do your best, and recognize that sometimes people will actually just outrun you and yeah. beat you, and how do you be kind of gracious in that and accept that and have it be a drive rather than like a, you know, yes. push you down. What are the things that they're doing right now to antagonize each other? Like, what are they fighting about at this age? I think there's a lot of physical space. <laughs> like literally yesterday afternoon, they're both watching play school. Rosie gets some pillows and a fluffy blanket and is really tired, like just wants a bit of downtime. And Charlotte sits on the couch above her and like puts her feet in Rosie's eyes. Oh, that would <laughs> frustrate like, me too. <laughs> yeah. I just, Lottie's obviously like, I want attention. Play with me, big sister. And 
And at first I tried to intervene and then Rosie was like, it's okay, mommy, I like it. And I just let them go for it. And inevitably it turns into like screaming, rumbling, upset mess. I'm still not too sure what the solution is, but we don't really have a spot for Rosie to go for alone time, we call it. So we, we never use like a playpen. We live in a unit where it's not like I can let one be outside and one be inside for long periods of time. There's the balcony. Do I they share a room? Separate them. They don't yet, but they okay. will eventually. Okay. Soon, in the next six months. Um, and Rosie inevitably gets to the point where she just wants to do like a puzzle or some colouring in or build something fine motor without it being destructive. So I don't want to foster this idea that at almost four, you can go into your room and close the door and be alone. Why not? The time because we don't have baby monitors in there. Um, I don't want her to start thinking that's like a normal thing that she should do all the time. Okay. I just, sure. I'm kind of like, this is our place. This is our family. That's not just your, your space. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want my four-year-old to start being a recluse in her room. Like mm. maybe when she's 14, but at four, <laughs> Please I- Please like, go to your room. <laughs> Take that attitude with you. Yeah, I feel like at four, I want her to learn to deal with, yeah, okay. you know, having to share. Because when she goes to school, when she goes to daycare, when she goes to people's places, she can't be like, I really like that toy and I want to go play with it by myself mm. in a contained space where no one can be around me. That's just not life. Yeah. And this is why they had office cubicles, but now it's all yeah. shared space again. It's like, come on, it's think of the people that need it. for yeah. children. That's right. Home. <laughs> we have a small place now to share their rooms. So, they? yeah, they do. I'll quiz you about that later. <laughs> and uh, in terms of what they fight about, often it's like if Otis wants to do like rough and tumble tackling, which sometimes Lucy is up for it, and other times she's just not. So it's when they kind of can't be on the same page of what the play is she might be just wanting to do her own thing so they get pretty physical with each other and you know shove one another and and when they're both either tired cranky irritable hungry that's when they're most bickering at each other and it's when they stop kind of communicating with each other i'll just hear lucia yelling stop 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 and we have a rule that if someone's saying stop you stop Mm. but i also am trying to encourage her to say be specific what is he doing because that's not working so Otis, I'm still holding it or stop, let go of my toy, you know, be specific mm. of what, um, because he's three and he needs to really know what the expectation is. And if you just assume that he'll know, he probably won't. Um, so we're a bit different. We do mm. allow her to have playtime in her room with the door closed. Mm. We just also have a conversation about it, that it is also his room. He's not in there at the moment yeah. playing. So... I'm okay with you playing in the room, but if he comes by, I'm quite happy to try and redirect him, but I'm not going to tell him that he can't come into his room. Yes. And so it just becomes like a negotiation discussion point. And she's usually pretty accepting of that. But I also say to Otis, you didn't want to play, and there's not much play things in there. So she's taken things specifically into her room. And I set limits too. Like she just wants to play alone at the moment and that's okay. You know, I don't make them play together if one of them's needing some personal time and um and i just think that often they play beautifully together but sometimes it gets pretty feisty and that's usually when one of them's a bit tired a bit cranky mm. and i just see it as that like maybe now's not the time to be playing that because you're both sounding a bit you know it's when they stop talking that i can tell that yeah. it's not working anymore and that's when the fighting is about to start 
So will you step in and start refereeing or you wait till they want someone's in tears and then you step in and... It depends on how it's sounding. I'm not quick to kind of come in and referee. I hear them. And if they're still talking about it, like, oh, just, I'm still having my turn or stop that. I don't want you to do that. I figure that's them figuring it out, in my opinion. Even yeah. if one of them's going, stop, I don't want that. You know, I see that as them figuring it out. But if it just becomes grunting, <laughs> crying, whacking, not much talking happening, I see that as them needing my help. Mm. And that's how I frame refereeing. Sounds like you guys need my help to figure this out. Yeah. And that's how I try and figure out what's happened. And ask the question and then they can say, um, and then we kind of come to a solution together i think it's a real like gift or something i'm going to really need to learn of how to settle a fight without mm. taking sides because yeah. i think i'll often look at something I'm like yeah that is annoying like <laughs> but that's not helpful <laughs> i think uh, i've got a lot to learn here <laughs> don't we all yeah <laughs> uh so in your households what are just you know give some inspiration to people who've got kiddos who are constantly fighting what are some of the games or activities that really encourage your kids to get along and play well at the moment lots of roughhousing um lots of you know rumble tumble lots of games where you need two people and they're both going to be excited about it for a longer period of time than i will like rolling a ball down the hallway or you know we have like some little bikes or wheel toys that just stay inside so like you know going on the scuttlebug down the hallway or dancing or being a bit crazy that but sort of thing going back to say rolling the ball like yeah. you girls are yes. developmentally <laughs> at very different stages yes. i can absolutely see banjo being interested in playing with zach so i'm talking mm. at these early years where yes. the milestones are quite different yeah banjo being cool and up for that for about three minutes and then he's going to want me to play with so well, that we can take it to the next level i was just going to say that actually when i was listening to you tani i think one of the challenges with not you know the alone time and we're still trying to figure out how that works is there's like a limit to how long rosie wants to be alone before she might need some help or before she wants to play with me so like in theory she wants alone time which means i just want my sister to stop touching me or stop <laughs> touching stop touching what i'm playing with but then it'll usually be like, I want to do this puzzle. So I want to go into my room and I say, yep, okay, you can have some alone time in there. You can close the door for a while. But then, mommy, I need help. I can't do this puzzle by myself. And I'm like, well, I can't come into your room and close the door and do a puzzle with you mm. when your sister's also here. So either you can go in there and do that by yourself or you can pick something that you can play with that you don't need help to do or you can come out here and do what we're playing so mm -hmm. i feel like there's a definite limit that we reach pretty early on in the day of like we've played we've done some craft we've done some you know like puzzles or whatever now we're on to the crazy run around and then at the end of that we need to go somewhere mm. we need to get out of our place we need to go for a drive we need to watch some tv we need to get out on the balcony we need a bit of a change mm. so my girls usually play pretty well when there's water involved so like having a daytime bath together yeah and that's um, something that they can play with in their own way exactly. but play alongside each other yeah or like having something sensory where they can mix stuff together and it's like toddler appropriate and preschool appropriate craft not so much because mm. it becomes just spreading stuff <laughs> a lotty drawing is okay 
there's a lot of modeling that happens and I find like Lottie is interested in things because Rosie's doing it yeah but so her attention span is probably yeah limited. but she's probably happier to like tuddle around and look at things and touch things while Rosie keeps on going yeah. if she's not interrupted it's an ongoing challenge though sure yeah mm. Yeah, and my two are at pretty different developmental stages and have different interests. But I'm trying to think how, what things they play well together. If they're just outside, we've got some neighbours with some kids and they're often playing together, a little boy who's um, five and a little one who's almost three, so similar ages. And they tend to play like, who knows, kid adventures, climb that tree, mm. run up the driveway, I found a lizard, yeah. you know, they're just kind of... <laughs> exploring maybe they tend to do that sort of play together really well um, inside play they tend to have times of doing things together but then a lot of separate things you know they just find their own little space in the house and are doing what they're doing Lucia loves doing tabletop kind of things you yeah know, drawing and craft and Otis sometimes wants to join in but he's not that bothered and so he'll just be playing with his dinosaurs and doing his own thing mm. with them in the lounge room um, so Kitchen, you know, restaurant, that kind of thing. They're mm. often um, playing together or families, you know, where they're, I'm the brother, you're the mum, you know, they're just doing yeah. that kind of thing. So. so right now, Banjo and Zach, developmentally very different points and their routines are very different. So nap time, bedtime, all that. Did you guys sort of bring those routines together, like start having them bath at the same time, going to bed at the same yeah. time, even though they're at different stages because it was easier for you, because you think it helps with their relationship? Convenience, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. Um, so Jono works from home now, which is a huge, huge help. But when he didn't work from home, his hours were long. He was gone from like seven till 7.30ish. So he was rarely home for dinner, rarely home for bath time, and sometimes home for bedtime. Uh, whereas now, he's here for all of it, which yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> so I don't know when it was. It certainly wasn't like from the very beginning, but there became a time, well, dinner time, when I just started eating, I guess, dinner time was dinner time, and then bath was after that, and they have, one might be in the show, one might be in the bath, but they sometimes just bath together. Uh, and then bedtime is the same time. And I don't know how long we've got of that. I don't know how long until this is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I going to bed at the same time as my three-year-old brother? Um, but look, they actually both take quite a long time to go off to sleep. Uh, they get a bit wired. I tend to sit in with them. Um, sometimes it's just sitting there. Sometimes it's singing multiple songs. Sometimes mm. it's patting them, lying down beside them. So bedtime can take a while and I just don't want to do that back to back. Mm. And in fact, they would bleed into each other anyway. So that's what tended to happen. I think when Otis was little and I would be putting him to bed and John would be putting Lucia to bed, at one point that blended. Mm. And I guess it was when he moved into the same room as her. Mm. And it just made sense that rather than both of us do it, just one of us would do it, um, and I thought, just for convenience sake, it has to be at the same time. Yeah. Because I, I think it works, because... Does it? Because right now, Zach is still in our room, but he's got maybe a couple of weeks till he outgrows that person. He will then be in Banjo's, and at the moment, he goes to bed almost two hours before Banjo. Mm. And I love that time with Banjo, just one-on-one, -on -one when I'm not conscious of Zach's needs, but then I'm going to have to start bringing, closing that gap because 
they can't do that. Banjo and I can't do bedtime quietly, so right. <laughs> it's going to stir Zach. But yeah, I'm going to have to pick your brain on how to transition. Maybe we need to do an episode on <laughs> transitioning into the one room. Yeah, I would like to listen to that. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's partly why we're thinking about the girls moving into the same room. Um, like Charlotte's still in our room at 18 months, and I'm still feeding her. So, kind of the path of least resistance. And what we both enjoy as well is that she falls asleep feeding with me. And so I've been doing bedtime with her while Mark does bedtime with Rosie. And it's really different bedtimes. Like Lottie is like in a quiet, dark room. To be fair, I'm watching Netflix on my phone. Like I love that <laughs> downtime. I don't want to let it go sure. time. Um, and it doesn't distract her. And then Rosie's reading multiple books with Mark and, you know, often role-playing, listening to podcasts, music, talking. So I don't know how to kind of like bring bedtime together, but... From the time that Charlotte started eating and we did baby led weaning, so it was all like the same food, we had dinner together as a family when daddy got home and then they get so messy that they have to have like a bath afterwards Mm. and we went pretty quickly into showers. So I would have a shower with them in the shower with me. So much faster. So much faster. It meant there was no tantrums over taking the plug out, which had become a thing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because no one else can touch the shower. You just turn it off and like they can't argue with that. And they love the water play, all that. And then after bath time, it's like they kind of have a little bit of time together playing, all of us in the room, and then we separate. And for a while there, Rosie really didn't want to have bedtime without me. But now it's like we have a book bag on the door. She loves books. And we borrowed library books. So we have new books and every night there's two like new books in the book bag and she can't read them until Lottie and I have gone out of the room. So we found like incentives for separation. Everything else is together. But Lottie has to stay awake until dinner and shower is done. Mm. And Rosie doesn't nap. So sometimes that means she's really, really overtired. And Lottie does nap and sometimes she'll fall asleep at like four. So that means she... In, in the car on the way home, that means she's not really ready for a bedtime at seven when Rosie might be ready for it. So yeah. I feel like the way that we've chosen to do it, it's just a lot of compromise and it's maybe not everyone's needs being met in the way that they need it at the time that they need it. But I don't always have Mark around for bedtime yeah. and he's not working from home, you know, so he's, he gets home when he gets home. So sometimes he works in the evenings and it just has to be a way that works for both of us. And I can't, at the moment, I can't do bedtime with both of them in the same room. So I've had to do like one bedtime after another and it takes a long time and it is anxiety inducing sometimes Mm. being like, how is this evening going to go if they just don't match up and, you know, one wants me to lie with them and the other one wants to roll around. And I feel like everything with parenthood is... It's just constantly evolving. Yeah. And I think you you've got to figure it out one week and then yeah, it changes to the next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always going to change. You've got to be flexible. Your kids have to be flexible. And um, I know that doesn't work for everyone, but we kind of like having that flexibility yeah. and not being locked into strict routines that have to happen yeah. at a specific time. Yeah. I've already realized that I have about 1% of the number of photos of yes. Zach on my phone <laughs> as I did in Banjo. Um, what are the things that maybe make you feel a little bit of mum guilt having to... Because I 100% know that the best thing that I've done for either of them has been give them a sibling. 
I say that because of how much I value my siblings and those friendships. Even with my husband's sister, she was one of my bridesmaids. Like there's just something very special about siblings. Not for everyone, but for me, it's very important. And I, you know, I can logically explain away most guilt because of that overall blessing. But yeah, what are the things? Because I even catch myself sometimes feeling like I can't feel, you know, cute and cuddles with Zaki whilst Banjo's around. I just feel like a little bit guilty and in that kind of play with him. And so I hold off until Banjo's daycare Mm. where I have that really special bonding times. But yeah, what is it for you guys that maybe brings in a little bit of guilt with too? Interestingly, the thing that makes me often feel guilty is that I think about how much more calm and confident I have been parenting Otis that I actually, the guilt is more directed towards Lucia, who I think, oh, did I pay attention? Or was I a bit too hyper-anxious or overprotective or just not as calm and comfortable for her? So it's interesting that that's often where I feel the pangs of guilt. Mm. But it comes also with just the acceptance of she got the beauty of parents undivided and one-on-one. So like... It's not an enduring feeling, but it, there are pangs of like, oh, wow, I probably could have been a little bit more chilled with yeah. her about that. Um, like, for example, her first, she was born in, in December and even her second Easter. So when she was, you know, coming up on um, 18 months old or whatever, I think I said she can just have blueberries for her Easter gift. Whereas like <laughs> her cousin's having chocolate and I'm like, no blueberries for her. And it's like, in hindsight, I'm like... <laughs> why was I so hung up on that you know he was having chocolate for his Easter probably the first East you know Lots of Ferrari <laughs> shares I just am much more relaxed and less you know perfectionistic or something in my parenting with Otis that I feel like oh poor Lucia she had a little bit of an anxiously highly strung mom which you know hmm. in the scheme of things nothing's forever you can repair that in sense of sure she can't remember (laughs) she can't remember but that's where I tend to feel I think I feel guilty about not having the time and space to really get to know Charlotte at each stage I think like I love the first year in terms of milestones there are other things that are really challenging but I love seeing new skills pop up especially when they're like so close together in that it's like every week there's a new skill like right now Zach has almost got the dummy back into his mouth so exciting (laughs) I'm obsessed with it um and with Charlotte it's like I don't know when you did that you know I know roughly there are some really big things I remember but um you know Rosie has like a baby book (laughs) I bought a baby book one day I inspired to write things in there's you know she's 18 months now she I definitely didn't write down like you know when she started making these sounds and these words whereas Rosie I did and I delighted in that and she delights in it now so I think like not having the memory (laughs) but also like a big mum guilt thing for me is like Rosie reads so much. Oh, she loves being read to so much. Um, and she takes great delight in books. And like, she, she likes Harry McCleary. Yeah. And then she basically just like runs around with books. She's a different kid, but her bedtime is like in pajamas, you know, wrangle them on, put her in a sleeping bag, say night to daddy and big sister, and then like go and 
fade to sleep in a dark room whereas Rosie was like this time with her parents sitting on her lap reading books like, the baby oil oh, massage like, yeah like let's <laughs> sing some songs to you and like every now and then I sing a song to Lottie at bedtime she looks at me like what are you doing please stop that now <laughs> like just let me feed I'm fine <laughs> so I, I feel guilty about just not being able to explore those things with her and also on the days when she's sick and Rosie goes to daycare it's amazing just being able to follow her lead and be like, oh, you really like doing this or you don't like doing that. Like she just doesn't get that, yeah. that airtime from me because she's always got Rosie around. So in some ways I feel like I haven't gotten to know the authentic Lottie, but that's also just absurd because I know her so well Yeah, and that's just life. Like I can't change it. I'm yeah. a third child. Like it's, that's just life with a sibling. Yeah. I've always found those comments so funny from mums who are like, the third born does get a baby book. <laughs> you have to hide the first born, yes. you know, everything. And I was like, oh dear. Photos. I have failed to a greater degree because Lucia didn't even get a baby book. I'm like, oh, I feel totally fine. I have like a photo of Rosie up in her room, like a printed photo in a frame. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the only one. She's got photos up on our wall and like our photo collage and Lottie's like, well, you're here. <laughs> you exist and we love you in person. Are there any sort of final thoughts on how to nurture strong sibling bonds? One of my thoughts is to tell them essentially that they have a strong bond and to make it explicit that you are brother and sister you are family, you will have a lifelong friendship with each yes. other and actually tell them they are friends. Mm. You two are friends. You're the best mm. of friends, you know, because this is of an age where the comment of best friends gets thrown about a bit amongst mm. young girls and we don't um, major on that because we're like, that can be used to exclude others. Yeah. But when it comes to your brother, he truly is your best friend yeah. because you will be lifelong friends. And I have often thought, and one of my favourite Bible teachers whose name is Jen Wilkin she has four kids who are very close in age so she talks about sibling relationships a bit and uh, and I can't help but think that the Bible is filled with imagery of brothers and sisters we are called a family of God and so often um, sibling relationships are seen as something to be pitted against each other mm. and I just don't think that's the biblical picture of siblings I think the biblical picture of siblings is closeness best friends love one another mm. our you know sister's keeper our brother's keeper and uh, and I think to see your family unit as a picture of this greater picture of the church is something that your children need to hear as well mm. that they are brothers and sisters in the same way that we are actually sisters in Christ this year you know like to use that sort of language mm. um of siblings I think it's a really important relationship and it can be a really complicated relationship for families of course but I think it's one that we need to esteem and say is uh, is a close bond whether we always feel that bond or not we mm -hmm. kind of have to work at our make it till you make another. it <laughs> no but we have to work and I love one another yeah. right mm -hmm. we don't always Absolutely. You know, love is service and you love your brother and you um, have a bond whether you feel much feelings for him or not the relationship is enduring so yeah yeah i think i forget to pray i i really you know 2021 20, my goal should just be to pray more because um 
there's so many things that we think about and we educate ourselves on, we gain knowledge and we look back in hindsight um, in regards to parenting, but a lot of the future, like the relationship that our children have with each other is not up to our efforts yeah. alone. Obviously, our efforts or lack thereof might have an impact, but um, God is way more powerful than us and his ability to impact the way that they look at each other and treat each other is way more powerful than our impact um, on them. So, yeah, I think I feel I feel that rebuke that I need to like give more over to God yeah. um, in regards to my kids' future relationships. But also I think at the moment in this period that we're in with a toddler and a preschooler, I just want them to know that they are that it's great to be unique, it's great to be individual, and that their value lies in them as the special little people that God has made. Mm-hmm. You know, they are siblings, they are related, they are our children, but that we love them for who they are as they are themselves. And especially for Rosie as a preschooler, you know, going into classrooms and seeing other kids, and I'm sure comparisons will just grow in like, comparisons of where others live or how they dress or what they you know what languages is every single thing every facet of life they will be comparing yourself to others and I just want them to be secure not in their abilities but in the value of who they are as God's children like you were saying Tani and as like you are made you know with purpose Mm. um, intentionally to be who you are Mm. and that is wonderful you don't have to be anyone else you don't have to excel or like, you know, excel at or like anything else. You can be you and we love you mm. just as much as the other child, you know. Yeah. We, we love you as a unique individual. And how That's cool that they can be, you know, each other's biggest cheerleaders. Yes, in that. yes. Absolutely. To really celebrate each other and to like affirm each other and it's yeah. so lovely. And I think... I've said it in maybe one of the um, other podcasts about you know having a second child, but it, it in some respects it took me by surprise how delightful that part of motherhood has been to yeah. see them together, to oh, see their bond. It is the best. My girls walked through the shops holding hands yesterday, oh. and like every older person walking by, like pulled down their mask and smiled. Oh. I was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, they're so cute. Like, look at <laughs> and them. And it's not every gorgeous. moment of every day, is no. it? But when they have moments of just pure delight in each other, it just yeah. is so lovely. And I think we need to just really like take hold of those moments and just go wow motherhood is wonderful and this is at its finest when you see them together and just also i think one more important thing to acknowledge for those listening is that obviously it's not the holy grail like having a sibling being able to have more than one child Mm. that doesn't hold value in and of itself either and you know, we acknowledge that that's not possible for everyone, yeah. that that might be a really deep grief for some people. Yeah. That's good. You know, it's really, really hard. It might be hard listening to these words that we're saying, but it's not the be all and end all. And as a Christian community, we want to like be joyful with other people who are joyful and grieve with those who are grieving. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go through those emotions with each other, um, but to not hold multiple children up as the standard that we should all be striving for Mm. or that you know if you can't provide a sibling for your 
your first child that you somehow failed them like that is not the truth that is not the reality but what we're discussing is if you do have multiple kids like what are the joys and what are the challenges and to partner with each other in that and maybe you do have multiples and they hate each other (laughs) and the heartache yeah yeah for sure I'm thankful for, you know, church family and friends outside of your family that become like family. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. family of God. Well, Tani, Kirsty, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having kids and being a few <laughs> steps ahead of me You're that welcome. I can just glean from your wisdom and insights. Uh, we are an Audible Mums group, but if you'd like to connect further and ask any questions or share your experience in helping your kiddos get along, please join us on Facebook. Just search Mums Group Pod, which is short for podcasts. I hope you found this as helpful as I did. Until next time, bye. Bye. See you later.